the I Ready Politics pod. (laughs) Right, I'm ready to go. Pardon me. Sorry, I'm I'm drinking Strongbow Rosie tonight. Strongbow Rosie. See, I'm just on the old trusty Pepsi Max, Derek. Podcaster's preferred beverage. (laughs) I'm getting more into my my Strongbow Rosie because it's not as... Strongbow Rosie, what are you Seriously, Strongbow, the normal stuff, is like really acidic and it really goes for my heartburn, but this is brilliant. You're feeling better. I know you were a bit un- un- under the weather on Sunday, as I was, but I was professional and done the post-match <laughs> for, for you, even although I was un- un- under the weather as well. I still sol- soldiered on and-, and got the job done in the end, even although you gave me a really shit game. But there you go. Hi, everyone. It's Derek from the iReady podcast, and this is my... Fuck's sake! I think I'm saying that. <laughs> it's not your post match at all, you stupid. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, this isn't working. Fuck's sake! Um, ah! How does that sound? Bit oh, spacey, yeah. but I'll be, be all right. A bit spacey. Well, that was a nightmare. I thought my new ultra cheap headphones were going to be quite good there, but right, we'll try this. Go for it. Oh, shit, I don't know what I was doing. I was nearly pressing the hang-up button there. <laughs> Oops. Oh, my God. <laughs> this was oh, supposed to start 30, 30 minutes ago. I know. You got me go, going about bloody politics and then... I know. Then you know this, but there you go. Right, fire away. Right. Hello, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I'm going to go and get some Rennies anyway. I've got half All right, cool. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the iReady podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? I'm very well Derek, how are you? I'm not bad. Over the worst of the COVID as well. I never really had any symptoms, but I'm nearing the end of my isolation period, so freedom very shortly. That's great, mate. It's great to hear that. And what I loved as well is one of the comments we did get on YouTube the other day with the post-match that you'd done saying that you sounded absolute sick because of the result, not the fact that you had actually already said that you're under the weather anyway. That's a little, it, was, it was probably a bit of both, Derek, but probably <laughs> more, more about the result than anything else. You sure get the, the games for, for me to cover, don't, don't you? It's like the, the perfect game. We've got had an utter shite result there, so I'll just get Dave to do the post-matches. That's, that's what it is. COVID or not, that's, that was your real plan for that, wasn't it? Damn, I've been rumbled. Exactly. <laughs> My mates do actually say that with any time I try and get you to do the results. It does happen to be the, the, the bad games that we get. Exactly, and, yeah. So, I'm glad uh, that somebody's noticed that, Derek. No, not just myself. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you, you're always there to grab the glory, aren't you? <laughs> That's always. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got four games to cover, three good results and one pretty pish-poor result, but yeah. we'll, we'll get into that. So we may as well go down the tunnel and onto the park. So the first game we've got to cover was Wednesday the 9th of February. It was a 2-0 win at home against Hibs in the Premiership. Now, when I was going through all my stuff for this podcast tonight, I realised that it appears that I've deleted all my notes for that game for some weird reason. So I had to... 
I had to try and transcribe part of the, the post-match I'd done for that, so it's going to be a very, very quick summary in this case. Yeah. But overall, good performance. Not as swashbuckling as the game against Hearts the game before. We had to work a wee bit harder. There was one change from the Hearts game. That was Kamara coming in from for the injured Jack. So we lined up... I've put Shagger here. I was listening to you say that. But... <laughs> no. I think we all know who you're talking about. Yes. Derek. McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Balligan, Bassey, Kamara, Lundstrom, Aribo, Arfield, Kent, Morelis. And on the subs bench were McLaughlin, Barisic, Zukowski, Davis, Ramsey, Sands, Ahmad, Roof, and Sakawa. So the first half, decent first half, came out the traps flying, kind of how we finished against Hearts game. And on the fourth minute, those three words you like to hear penalty to Rangers. Kent was clearly taken out in the box. Tavernier scores at sending the keeper the wrong way. Yep, fantastic, Derek. Great start to the game. It was a clear-cut penalty. Absolutely no excuses from anyone and expertly dispatched as we are expecting from uh, James Tavernier. Brilliant start. Yeah. Balogun then unfortunately had to go off injured on the 13th minute Barisic came on I think Balogun just fell awkwardly Yeah, there was certainly another penalty claim on the 16th minute Kent was nudged in the back inside the box for me another stonewaller probably not given yep. though as we had just had one and to be honest with you after we got the first penalty the ref really was just abysmal he was letting everything go against us and yeah. you know we weren't getting much at all as you've often said, Derek, just because we've had a penalty doesn't it? It's the laws of the game. It shouldn't count counteract any other penalty claims that we do get. And as you say, that was definitely a stone wall for me as well. Yep. And we kind of really took the foot off the gas halfway through the first half. We still had a number of chances, though, just a bit unlucky. Into the second half, we controlled it. All of it really, apart from the last few minutes, and we put the game pretty much to bed on the 57th minute when Morelis made it 2-0. It was a through ball to Morelis on the right-hand side, really good composure by Morelis who beat the offside trap perfectly and slotted into the back of net. That was a prime example because Morelis is particularly guilty of not reading the line and getting caught offside so many times, but he executed that one absolutely perfectly there, and as I said in the post-match, see if he could read the line a wee bit better the amount of goals he would score, even more than he does, would be phenomenal. I think he has got a lot better, Derek, but as you say, that was just perfectly executed and a great time to score. Get that second goal, kill the game, and you know we were on easy street from there. Yep. 75th minute, Ramsey and Sakala came on, so Ramsey getting a wee run out there. Two late chances for Hibs with McGregor making two saves in the last five minutes. I think the the second one was a bit dangerous, but at that point it was like 92 minutes and the game was over. So uh, good to see that McGregor can still pull out the saves, you know, even though he really had nothing to do most of the game. Definitely. It sounds a top quality goalkeeper, Derek. We said that. We used to say that about Alexia and Andy Gorham, Stefan Clausen. Guys like that, they could be not having anything to do for the whole game and then pull off some crucial saves right right at the end. So, you know, absolutely superb by him. It shows his concentration was right up there, even right to the end of the game. Yeah. So, really delighted, obviously, with that. You know, two hard games uh, against the Edinburgh sides after, a, obviously, a shocking result against Celtic yeah. and a pretty poor run since we came back. But, fortunately, that looked as if the run of form was starting to come back to us. Yes, it's certainly at that stage, Derek, as you say, two brilliant results from them. Didn't concede any goals, which is what we were looking for also, and you know, and a lot of goals scored. So it was certainly looking good for that time, that stage of the matches for us. 
Yep. So it led us into the next game, which was Saturday the 12th of February. It was a 3-0 win away against Annan in the fifth round of the Scottish Cup. So, again, no disrespect to Annan, but it was a result we kind of expected and really a performance we expected. The pitch was artificial, unfortunately. It looked absolutely terrible. It really was. That wasn't helped, though, with the driving rain and swirling wind. So really bad conditions for both teams there. Absolute fair play to all the fans that turned out both home and away because the conditions were horrendous and also yeah. really not covered stands at all. So it would have been like a drowned rat, I think, uh, finishing that game. Yeah, definitely. It was swir- swirling winds, wasn't it? Torrential rain, just horrible, horrible conditions to play. And as you say, just fair play to the, the, the players for being so professional getting the job done in that game but I'll, I'll let you get into it Derek Yep. so we expected maybe four or five changes but no we got 11 changes from the Hibs yeah. game so quite quite incredible there so we lined up McLaughlin Hellander Barisic Diallo Davis, Ramsey, Sands, Zukowski, Wright, Roof and Sakala. On the subs bench were McCrory, Tavernier, Bassey, Itton, Simpson, Kamara, McCann, King and Lowry so, first half, pretty much as we expected, a fully dominant performance. McLaughlin had one thing to do. We were fully in control. We got the early goal in the seventh minute with Hellander scoring, so he's only back seven minutes and he's scoring a goal. Yes. It was a corner in from the right, near post, header into the far corner. He had just done the exact same thing a minute beforehand to, to win yeah. the corner anyway. Delighted with that. As much as Goldson can be a towering presence, and he has had a few goals from his head from corners, there's just something about Hellander, he seems a hell of a lot more accurate than Goldson at it. It was, it was a great corner, Derek. I think the, the Aaron defenders will be raging because, as you say, he'd done exactly the same thing for the same position, just no even, you know, 60 seconds before that. So, but uh, fair play to him, uh, great for him as well, just back for injury, scoring a goal so early on and, and, and giving us a lead, you know, at the early in the match. That's exactly what we were looking for. Yep, and we doubled the lead on the 22nd minute with Roof scoring. It was Ramsey on the right, passes to Roof, who is inside the D, makes space and shoots into the bottom right side of a crowded box. Absolutely fantastic goal. Really was, Dave. Yep, really, it was excellent. You know, that was what he was kind of doing for his last season, Derek. I know everything, you know, he's been out injured, and you know, but that's the type of striking that, that we're looking for. Really accurate, Derek. It was, you know, a good turn and uh, like I said there, the accuracy fantastic and slotted that ball away perfectly. And again, that was that was us on on our way. It was uh, you know we were looking for you know a c- couple of goals in the first half just to ease the nerves a wee bit, especially in the conditions. And that's you know exactly what they gave us. Yep. 30th minute, there was a volley over the top of our goal by Annan. A bit unlucky that there. However. We put the game completely to bed on the 32nd minute and Sakala made it 3-0. The ball was played to the left to Sakala. He gets to the edge of the box. He looks up, crosses, but goes to the far side of the goal and it went into the back of the net. So yeah. certainly cheeky smiles all round, laughs and clearing away tears of laughter as well from Roy Mackay. Uh, if it was a cross or shot, I think he's claimed it was actually a shot. <laughs> I'm still yeah. not sure. I'm still yeah, not sure. You know. Strikers will always say, say that, Derek, but we really don't care. It ended up in the back, the, the back of the net, three 0 before half time. That was, you know, fantastic. Yep. Annan did have another wee chance on the 39th minute. It was a corner in from them on the left. Dangerous one right to the centre, which made McLaughlin come and punch it away. But good awareness from McLaughlin there. Yeah. Bit daft next because in the 41st minute there was a blue flare on thrown onto the pitch. I mean, come on. 
really yep. do we really need that? I know it's I cold know. out there, but you were thrown out on the pitch. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then on the forty fourth minute, Ramsey had the ball in the back of the net, but it was ruled offside. Correct decision, unfortunately, but it was a great back heel flick into the net after a cross on the deck from yeah. the right. So he was just as, as much as he was offside. Uh, it was just a wee glimpse of what he actually the, the skill he, he can have for us. Yeah, you know, and you know, I think that was the stat that was said before the last time that he'd actually started a game for someone was in the Champions League uh, away against Zenit St Petersburg and then the next game, you know, he was going to be playing in a horrible wet and windy night against Annan, you know, in the, in, the, in the Cup for Rangers. So a bit of a change there. But as you say, it was good to finally see him come out and, you know, play for us. And but again, the conditions re- really poor, so we weren't able to really get a good look at what, what he could do for us. So, uh, but again, just... Uh, Great at that time of the game just to be, to be on easy street, Derek. Yep, absolutely. So into the second half, really the game was was done at this point. There was absolutely no way Annan were going to come back. Maybe a few more goals we were maybe looking for, but ultimately yes. it was just a case of, you know, play to the conditions and try and not pick up any injuries, especially given the, the, the state of the pitch. So we certainly never got any more goals. We never picked up any injuries. We did take our foot off the gas. The conditions did ease slightly. There was certainly wasn't the, the driving rain. Uh, we had a few chances. There was Davis' chance early on from about 30 yards wide of the post. Ramsey had a good chance just after that. 60th minute, Hellander, Davis and Ramsey off, King, Lowry and Simpson on. There was a chance for us as well when Annan tried to play a, a pass out from their back. It was a piss poor pass. We picked up and it hit a shot and it clips the top of the bar as it went over. Zakowski, it was a nice bit of play from him in the 70th minute down the right. Gets a good cross and Roof heads it into the side netting at the near post. 70th minute, Sakala, Ahmad off. Charlie McCann and it, none that was Charlie McCann's debut appearance for us as well. Roof had a free kick five minutes later just over the bar. Wright hits a shot over the bar as well just after that and then the last piece of play I've got here was on the 89th minute it was a free kick from Annan on from 25 yards. McLaughlin had to dive and make a save but it was easy enough and gathered in the second attempt so Got through the second half, as I said, without any injuries and delighted with that. As much as we might want to see a few more goals, that that wasn't really the main priority. Cup games at this stage never are. It's just a case of, you know, get through the tie. Yeah, I know. It's uh, slightly disappointing that we didn't get more goals, especially for, uh, you know, the brave souls that made the journey and, you know, had to put up with that horrendous weather. It would have been good good for them even to get I know an extra one or two goals in the second half. But as you say, Derek, the main thing was we were through, didn't concede any goals. There wasn't any problems during the game. The job was done in the first half and, you know, just happy that we didn't get anybody injured because, as you say, on that pitch, you're always wary that something's going to happen, aren't you? So just pleased at that and through to the next round of the Cup. Yes, and in the next round that we play Dundee away, and that's in the quarter final, and I think that's Saturday the twelfth of March. So I don't think there's any times being posted there, but obviously TV will dictate that one. Yes, it certainly will. Yes. So Dave, into the next game. I'm still smiling about it now oh, because man. holy shit. Rangers 4, Borussia Dortmund 2 in the Europa League, last 32, leg 1, and that was played on Thursday the 17th of February, and obviously it was in Dortmund. So Dave, I'm still just amazed at this game. Well, Derek, I want to let you picture the scene as to how I watched the game in disbelief. My son, as you know, who plays football and has done for quite some time, got a trial with Falkirk's under-16 team. 
So I went along to Falkirk Stadium, which isn't too far away from here, knowing that the Rangers game was going to be on while he was doing his trial. So I was basically in the stand of the Falkirk Stadium while he was on trial with my phone, watching the game, trying to watch him and kind of in disbelief as to where I was watching it and obviously the score that was coming through. So, you know, I've been able to watch the game back since then, thanks to our TV and stuff. And Derek, it's just all the European results that I've seen us play over the years, and there has been a lot. We've had some incredible results. This is right up there because, let's be honest, we were all hoping at the time that we wouldn't get beat too much and we would still have something to fight for in the return game at Ibrox. And boy, have we got something to fight for now, Derek. I'll let you get into the game. Absolutely sensational. Yes. So a number of changes, as you would expect, going from Adam to Borussia Dortmund. <laughs> so we, we lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Bassey, Barisic, Jack, Lundstrom, Aribo, Arfield, Kent and Morelos. On the subs bench, we have McCrory, Hogarth, King, Davis, Ramsey, Kamara, Sands, Ahmad and Wright. Now, I missed the first few minutes because, well, as, as we all know, our TV doesn't carry the, the European fixtures. But the first half, Wow. Just a fantastic yep. performance so far at that point. Very assured, stifled most of what Dortmund tried to do. Probably playing second fiddle in the possession stats for most of the, the half. We did struggle to create a lot, but when we did create something, it was always causing them issues. Morelos was looking a little isolated, though, maybe due to the lack of chances. Now, we had an early chance on the 10th minute with some lovely quick passing out from the our defence. Down the left wing to Kent. Kent charges past the defender, cuts inside, passes to Barisic, who takes it further into the box and has a shot into the left-hand side at an angle. And the keeper makes a save with his feet and out for the corner. Great chance. And as I said in the post-match, it could have been anybody but Barisic in that position and it might have went in. Oh, Derek, see if that had have been Barisic from this time last year, I'm sure he would have buried that. Uh, I think it's all down to confidence with the guy. At the moment, he's been a bit of a scapegoat recently, hasn't he? Especially since the game at Parkhead. Really unlucky, fantastic move. I think he was maybe a wee bit surprised himself that he was in that position. We were all just roaring at that stage for him to shoot. And unfortunately, as you say, the, the wrong man, a great position and really should have capitalised on that. But it wasn't to be. No. So right up the pitch, 15th minute, Dortmund with a corner from the left, a free header right in the centre. The attacker heads it down into the ground rather than at goal. And McGregor ends up gathering it comfortably because it taken a massive bounce. Yep. It was shocking marking in the first place, but that's really got to do, go down as a really, really poor yeah, finish. It was definitely, yeah. Yeah. Just shows you, though, as much as we could have chances, Dortmund were always going to be dangerous. Yes. Definitely. Dortmund had another two chances after that in the 27th minute, a quick break by them, playing out from the back, got the ball into the box on the left-hand side, they couldn't get a shot off, so puts it in a cross that fizzes across our goal and nobody picked up, kind of unlucky there, dangerous yes. for us, and Definitely. then they had a shot cleared off the line on the 33rd minute where Barisic was the one who cleared it off the line, the ball beats our defence, gets to their attacker in the box on the left, McGregor commits, the attacker tries to flick it, but Barisic was covering and managed to clear it at the second attempt, so living dangerously at that point there. And then on the 36th minute, we had a chance. The ball got played out the box. We were going to then make another attack. And then the referee halted the game because he got notification of a VAR check. Now, it was after we had a corner in that attack. Nobody had really seen anything that had happened there. 
but what a call from the VAR guys because in the 37th minute those three words you love to hear penalty to the Rangers it was a clear handball there was no yep. complaints at the time I don't think from, from what I've seen but the, the VAR picked it up quite clearly the boy had his arm outstretched and it did hit off his arm as much as it's maybe a daft rule he had to kind of have his arm there that's the rules now and yep. it's once again we've fortunately benefited from it as you say, great spot, Derek. I think everything happened so quickly that we weren't expecting it. But when the game halted like that, we knew that there was something that happened. And then, you know, as you say, absolutely fantastic. What an opportunity for us from VAR, you know, to get us a, a lead in the game. Exactly. It was a, a nervy time because we had a bit of massive chance. And you know what we'd like sometimes when we get massive chances. But cool as you like, 38th minute, we went 1 0 up with Tavenier scoring. Sends it to the left, the keeper dived the wrong way. Brilliant penalty. Yep, su- superb stuff. Under pressure, Derek. And then you could see the relief and uh, you know, the ju- jubilation in the face of Tavenier when he scored. But he knew that was a, you know, a great goal for us to get at that stage of the game. Absolutely brilliant. Yes. So we were really on the ascendancy at that point because in the 40th minute, some great pressure from us ending in a shot from Morelos on the right side of the box and it forced the keeper into a good save at the near post and out for the corner. And then if we were giddy at the first point, we were going apoplectic on the the second goal because in the 41st minute, Morelos made it 2-0. The resulting corner played into the near post. Aribo heads it on and Morelos charging into the back post. Had to get past his man and he basically more or less had a simple tap in into the back of the net after he got past his man. Outstanding, Dave. Unbelievable. Couldn't believe what we were seeing. The timing, Derek... Tremendous. What I was so pleased about was we got the penalty, we took the lead and we did not sit back and try and defend it. As you say, we went straight up a couple of minutes and we had the shot for Morelos, saved the keeper, great play and then for the corner, obviously being worked on. We've seen a rebel do, do that before, ghost into the near post to try and either get the ball on target or just get a wee flick. He got his head to it. And it was just a simple bundle in at the back post by, by Morelos. It's great timing and being there. Something that maybe we've criticised Morelos about before. Just poacher's instinct, just, just to be there, to, you know, just to tap the ball in. But it was just fantastic. I thought at first, when I first saw it, it was going in anyway. But you saw it, it definitely wasn't. And it had to get that touch with Morelos. But Derek, absolute dreamland. And that is what we want to see. We want to see us going for the kill. And it's just as if they smelt blood at that stage after the penalty, didn't they? And they just kept going and we got our rewards for an absolutely fantastic score at that point, heading for the half-time. Tremendous stuff. Yes. Just before the half-time whistle, though, on the 45th minute, Dortmund did have a rocket from outside of the box. Hits off his own attacker and out for the goal kick. It was certainly goal-bound. It was dangerous. So I don't know where that would have went if it wasn't for his own attacker, but we got away with that one there. So, as you said, absolute dreamland. However, we had to be still wary. There was a lot of football to play. It was Dortmund were up against, after all, one of the best sides in Europe. They've shown that they can be dangerous. But if we could stifle them again and keep taking our chances, we're going to be in an excellent position for the second leg. So the second half, really a crazy but absolutely sensational second half because we had them on the ropes for a lot of that half. They pulled one back. We had them on the ropes again. We went further ahead. They pulled one back. And really what ended up capping off an absolute, truly historic night for us because 
wow, just amazing. Yep, let's go, Derek, get, get into it. I'm, I'm, I'm desperate to hear your, uh, your summary of the second half. Yep. So we have normally got a history of not playing well was as soon yes. as the second half kicks off. However, that was not the case tonight because in the 48th minute, Lundstrom made it 3-0. A lovely move. Kent on the left side with some trickery. Cuts inside, passes to Lundstrom, who has a rocket from just outside the box into the back of the net. Dave, I couldn't actually, couldn't put my full notes down because I was too busy shouting and screaming and celebrating. And I've seen videos back since and it was from the Dortmund end and it just panned around our fans. Absolute limbs. And even the the Dortmund fans were standing up and applauding that. Derek, it was absolutely sensational. Now, let's give John Lundstrom a wee bit of credit. Since, again, a bit of a scapegoat quite a few weeks ago, He's came back into the team alongside Ryan Jack. He looked so much more assured. He's looked a real presence in, in midfield there, and that just shows you what he is capable of as well. But let's talk about uh, Ryan Kent, Derek, and the, you know the build-up to this goal. The run, the control. I mean, it took on three players, Derek, and absolutely made them look like we schoolboys, school didn't it? You know, turned this way, twisted that way, completely took the defenders out of the game. And then the pass to Lundstrom at the edge of the box was just inch perfect. And Lundstrom just took one stride forward and absolutely melted the ball with some curl and just curled right round past the goalkeeper. What a fantastic goal. A goal that we'll be speaking about, you, you know, famous European goals for years to come. Absolutely tremendous. And Derek, to be 3-0 up away in Borussia Dortmund. It was, I think everybody was just in so, you know, looking in disbelief more than anything else. It was fantastic. And as you say, for us to start the second half like that, where we usually don't start the second half like that, was just a breath of fresh air. Exactly what we were looking for and just... Tremendous, absolutely brilliant. Yep, absolutely. And I mean, I put a tweet out when we went 2-0. I said, right, make it 5-0 and kill the tie off. And I was obviously joking (laughs) at that point. But see where we went 3-0? I was like, holy shit, is this actually going to happen? (laughs) It was incredible, Derek. It really was. Yep. However... As we always seem to find out, you're none more vulnerable than when you've just scored because two minutes later, unfortunately, Dortmund pulled the goal back to make it 3-1 on the 50th minute. Some great skill on the right-hand side by Dortmund, past a couple of our players. There was a cross in, the defender sticks his leg out, it goes to the far side of the box and the attacker has a rocket of a shot into the back of the net. You know, you can't legislate for some great shots at the end of the day, as Dortmund just found out with Lundstrom. So certainly it was an amazing strike there. A whole lot of fortune, though, with the defender just sticking his leg out, trying to clear yeah. it and it going right to their player. But that's that's the breaks you get sometimes. Exactly, Derek. So it gave us still a fantastic lead. Don't get me wrong. It just took the shine off of, you know, what had been a fantastic move and goal for us, as you say. You really can calm things down when you're playing this level of opposition. No. 52nd minute, Dortmund had another good chance down the left-hand side and across on the deck and the attacker puts it wide. Dangerous again. You know, certainly they start to come back yep. on the ascendancy there. And then on the 54th minute, we had the ball in the back of the net after an incisive move but was ruled offside. Went to Varchek, hit off the defender, miles onside yep. all the way. An absolute shocking decision from the linesman. However, after the Varchek, on the 55th minute, it was decided it was 4-1 and the goal was given classes as an OG. Just absolutely amazing 
incredible, Derek. I, I, again, it's I, I know there's a, a lot of people are saying that the, the VAR is, is is taking the fun out of it, but it's 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 justified, which is satisfying for me. And again, the scoreline. I, I thought it was Morelos that that was going to be credited with the goal. It wasn't. It was put down as an own goal. I really wasn't caring to be winning four one in the West Hallands Stadium, Derek, away against Dortmund. As you know, it was it was sensational. We were pinching ourselves, hoping that it wasn't a dream because you know there's not one person would have predicted that the score would have been at that at any stage of the game. So just absolutely sensational. Yes, 58th minute it was a corner in from Dortmund on the right, ends up at the back post near the goal, hits, the boy hits a shot but it was blocked by the defender uh, I think it was maybe Tavernier, claims for a handball but there was no VAR check, the replay did show that it did hit his hand but it was by his hip so it certainly wasn't an unnatural position so certainly a correct call there. Yeah. Now I've highlighted this as well and same with other people and I thought it was Kent initially but I think it actually was Lundstrom Lundstrom and the attacker for Dortmund both slid in for a 50-50. It was crunching tackle from both. No quarters given at all. We got the ball. Both players fist bumped after as well. Great to see and great refereeing as well. It was a, a football and tackle, a proper footballer's tackle. And it was a 50-50. As we've seen against Hearts there, we won two 50-50s, which was nothing in it either way. Yep. And we got the, the foul against us and yellow exactly. cards against us as well. Absolute credit to to the Dortmund player here because a lot of European players generally just roll about like mad looking for fouls, but he just got up, got on with it, yep. and said, "Well done to the player." That yep. that's what football is all about for me. Exactly, exactly, Derek. Yep. Yep. Aribo had a chance on the 66 minute and it was a quick break up the park down the left with, with Aribo who has a shot from outside the box and it went just by the far post. Yeah, lucky with that one. Yep, just after that, Arfield off and Sands on, probably just to shore it up a wee bit there. Dortmund had a chance on the 76th minute where they got it in the box on the left. The attacker tries to take a touch, but it gets away from him and an easy save for McGregor to collect. On the 80th minute, that's when my stream started breaking up a wee bit. And for really the last 10 minutes, it was a bit bitty for me. I was The stream I was on was on CBS, but then I was getting commentary from BT and CBS at the same time. So really difficult. And then, however, it did unfortunately click back in for the goal on the 82nd minute when Dortmund pulled a goal back to make it 4-2 from what I've seen of it anyway is there was a shot from the edge of the box and McGregor was absolutely rooted and it went into the back of the net uh, I've seen a few people blaming Tavernier I've seen a few people blaming Bassey you know certainly from what I've seen it was just a good piece of skill once again McGregor rooted to his spot and never dived that's certainly a conversation the gaffer's going to need to have if not you know replace him because he can't at this level not dive for the ball there but, you know, it was a, another stunning shot, I think. It was, yeah. The, the, the ball was played in. The, the Dortmund player got it and, and laid it off just at the edge of the box. I think it was the young English guy, Bellingham, who hit the shot up, you know, curling shot past the goalkeeper. It was a great finish, Derek. I can't, we can't take that away from, from anyone. But at that stage, we were winning 4-1 at that stage. That possibly in the minds of Dortmund is, is still giving them a chance and also for us saying, you know, it's definitely still giving them a chance as well. Is that maybe a, a good thing for us? Are we not going to be, say, you know, lackadaisical, you know, for, for the remainder of that game and for, you know, the remaining game, it's, it's, it's maybe a good thing, but it was certainly at that stage of the game 
disappointing that we conceded that goal there, but it was uh, it was a good strike, Derek. You can't, you know, you've got to take, take your hat off to the laddie for doing it. Yep. 85th minute, Aribo and Jackoff, Ramsey and Kamara on. Uh, Morelis came off on the 95th minute right on and Dortmund finished off the game with a long shot over the bar. They had a lot of pressure uh, in possession in the last kind of 5-10 minutes as you would expect but they couldn't do anything with it because we, we held our nerve in, in the back as yep. we had done pretty much all game. So Dave, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about has that been our best ever European performance in, in certainly recent European times. I'm inclined to agree with that because, you know, it was against all odds. I mean, I think our yeah. whole squad was worth about £15 million. Theirs was worth £200-odd million. I mean, to, to go away to Germany, to absolutely dominate Dortmund in that respect. I mean, obviously, Leon's probably, aside from this game, probably the best other away game. But when you look at that, we were under the cosh for a lot of that game as well. Granted, we had a squad made up of largely Scottish players, from what I remember, and certainly not a lot of value in it as well. But we were under the cosh for, for that game. This game was completely different, where we dominated a lot of it. Yeah, no, it was excellent, Derek. It's certainly up there going back to Champions League performances under Dick Advocat, you know, when we beat Monaco away, which was a, a huge game for us. Recent matches when we beat Porto, uh, I don't think it's the great. I mean, for, for, for me, I, I can't get past when we, when we beat Leeds United to qualify for the first ever Champions League is still the greatest for me. But certainly, Derek, the stature of the team away from home it's you know it's it's right up there definitely in the last sort of two, twenty years anyway that starts right up there with performances and as you say the 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 amount of money that was spent on the Dortmund team we, we knew that they were they were actually the, the favourites for the competition it's a, a fantastic performance something that every Rangers fan should be really proud of something that every Scottish football fan should be and I know that's not how it's been portrayed but I really don't care about any, any, anyone else it's absolutely fantastic it puts us back in the map Derek the biggest result for Van Bronckhurst in his managerial career for sure and every single player was superb Derek they all had ex excellent games I'm not going to slate anybody for the goals that we conceded or anything like that because I thought that you know the considering what they had to play against every player had a fantastic game yeah, can't disagree at all with that and it's certainly drawn plaudits from all around Europe, even yeah. the, the Scottish media did set up and say, yeah, unbelievable performance and, and result I think obviously going into the game tomorrow night or tonight as this will be out we've obviously got to be very wary but, and we've got to be mindful of the fact that the last time we played Dortmund, we won 2-0 at home went over there and lost 2-0 and then lost out in penalties, granted we still had a, played a, a good performance but we yes. still lost at the end of the day, it's the same exact same with Leon. we won 3-0 against Leon away they came over to, to Glasgow and they won 3-0 so yes. just because it's at Ibrox it's not a, a foregone conclusion this is going no, to be an exceptionally it's... exceptionally difficult game their tails are going to have to be up for that yes. we're going to have a game on our hands but at the end of the day Dave win, lose or draw we've certainly done ourselves proud again in Europe this year we've done ourselves immensely proud in this game here and well, we can take a lot of heart from that and it'll be no disgrace losing to them but everything is in our hands if we can keep yes. a tight tight shop we can go and, and take it the game to them like we did uh, this game here I have no doubts that we will be more than a match for them Definitely Derek I think first goal is going to be crucial I know that's an old football saying but I think it, it, it definitely is if we can score at any time in this game, Derek, I think we're through. That is my feeling. 
on the game. I think that Giovanni's going to try and set up the same as he did before because he knows that Dortmund are going to put, put us under immense pressure. We just have to make sure that we don't concede early, Derek. That's a huge, huge thing. If we concede early, you know, it's going to be a really, really, really tough game for us. But we have given ourselves a fantastic opportunity to go through. Nobody would have dreamed that we would have had a two-goal cushion coming into Ibrox against them. Like I said at the start, everyone was just hoping that we would be able to keep Dortmund to a, you know, quite a tight game so we would have something to play for. But uh, to have a two, two goal cushion is fantastic. I'm hoping that the players really set out their stalls right for the start of the game, not to give anything away cheap, make it a really, really tough game for Dortmund. And as you say, Derek, we can try and go and punish them like we did over there. So fingers crossed. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, it's going to be a fantastic night at Ibrox, isn't it? Everybody that's going, I just, you know, hopefully they really sort of raise the roof and, you know, the place is going to be as noisy and hostile as possible. It's, uh, I think it's going to be a cracker. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, it's just UEFA clearly have a bias against Rangers because we go over and score four away goals and away goals don't count this year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've seen it, I've seen it going for us and against us, Derek. I've yeah. been watching us too too long in, in Europe to uh, to do that, but uh, no, I think it's going to be a cracker. Yeah, absolutely. So the unfortunate oh. game we've we've got to cover. We've went from the sublimely amazing to the oh. sublimely poor, but we need to cover it. Now, so the game is Sunday the 20th of February. It was a one-each draw away against Dundee United in the Premiership. Now, Derek, as soon as the dust settled in Dortmund and on reflection, we were all absolutely delighted. I unfortunately thought to myself, again, talking about the amount of years I've been watching Rangers, especially in Europe, suffer a European hangover at the weekend. I had the fear quite early on that it could happen again because we all know Dundee United at Tannadice always an incredible tough place to go. And I just had a horrible, horrible feeling that something was going to happen. I didn't feel confident, which, you know, isn't like me usually. And that's exactly what happened, wasn't it? Yeah. So we made one change from the Dortmund game. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Hellander, Bassey, Jack, Lundstrom, Aribo, Arfield, Kent and Morelis. On the subs bench were McCrory, Zukowski, Barisic, Davis, Kamara, Sands, Ahmad, Roof and Sakala. So the first five minutes were pretty scrappy for both teams. Then we dominated yep. pretty much the whole half bar a five minute period when ironically Dundee United scored United were pressing well they were crowding their box I think at any one point they had six and eight players in their box when we were attacking making it really difficult to break down and our shots were being blocked this game however was not immune from controversy from referees Bobby Madden again because in the 11th minute there was a clear handball by Dundee United player in their own box when the defender was trying to clear nothing given it was as clear as a handball as you like. Yeah. Absolutely scandalous. And, you know, there's some people there that tell tell us that they don't want VAR in the game. Another prime example of, of why it really needs to be. Derek, I covered this in the post-match. I was incensed reading some of the so-called experts, pundits, saying, oh, no, I don't think it was a penalty. 
the the ball was struck from such a distance out that the guy clearly had time to adjust his body to get out of the way. He didn't. His arm was out. It was as clear a penalty as you could get. Right in front of Bobby Madden, right in front of the, the, the linesman as well. I'm still baffled about it just now because it was so clear as well. And, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't get given stupid, stupid decision, you know, by all involved there. And, you know, Dundee United got, got away with it and it was blatant. Yep. 23rd minute was a long ball up by United through their player on the right-hand side, drives the ball forward, cuts in, creates space for himself in the box and has a shot and was deflected wide, so a bit dangerous there. And this is the point when we started to go off the boil and because on the 29th minute, Dundee United score and make it 1-0. It was a corner in from the left, a free header into the bottom left corner, really against the run of the play for most of the game up until that five minutes. Two things there, Hellander not doing the proper marking and the biggest bugbear ever yep. is not having a man on the post. That is the fundamental issue. We did start putting men on the post, and the amount of shots that we prevented from going in was amazing. Now we're not putting men on the post. If there was a man on the post, that shot would have been blocked. Yeah, de- definitely, Derek. It's been. It was always something that was, uh, especially Steve Davis, for, for some reason. I don't know if it's just... Uh, you know, his experience said he always seemed to be the man to be on there to, you know, to cover the, the line at the goal. And the amount of goal line clearances that he's made for Rangers over the years has, you know, been incredible. Uh, but as you say, marking by Hellander is not what we expect from him. He's usually so assured, especially when it comes to defending corners, you know, an international player. He'll have to put his hands up at that one. It was poor, but as you say, Derek, indefensible was the fact that there's not one person on the line. You'd like to think that Alan McGregor as well, for somebody as experienced as him, would be telling somebody, you, on the line, and make sure that doesn't go in, because the ball wasn't headed in at any height, Derek. It was headed down and into the ground. And as you say, just having one person standing there, it would have hit him, and you know there'd be a chance to clear it. So... Uh, no, just really, really shocking defending all, all round, and you know that was D- Dundee United. Apart for that one chance, they were quite happy to sit with a five in defence, the three sitting midfielders, you know, and there's sort of one attacking midfielder and one striker, and just try to hit the high ball. But that was them. We gave them that goal. They were quite happy to sit back and defend after that. It was just it was criminal what we did, Derek, and you know, just gave us an uphill battle from then. Yeah, I mean, what really is more frustrating is the fact that that it has been asked of of uh, Van Bronckhurst why there isn't men on the post, and he says he likes the he likes the spare men in on the park. Right, well, that's fair enough, but at the same time, then they're not actually doing the job they're meant to do, yeah. and that's properly mark up tight. So it's a it's a moot point then because they're not actually doing it. Have a man on the post. Yes, you're losing a couple of of markers, but you know then you're you're crowding the box, you're crowding yeah. the goal line to prevent the the shots going in. So. However, just after that, more controversy because in the 38th minute, a Rebo taken out from behind on the edge of the box, nothing given again. And then an absolutely incredible piece of refereeing here because in the 40th minute, Morelos was given a yellow card for both players having an off-the-ball oh. spat. A bit of handbags, that's all it was. Generally, you book the both players. However, nothing for the Dundee United player at all. I wonder why, because he was already on a booking, which would have meant he would have had to be sent off. So... Yeah. 
what what justification has he got? Both players were at it. Absolutely ridiculous refereeing once right there. And ultimately, if there's something that needs to happen about that, then that surely should be rescinded. But of course, they don't rescind yellow cards unless there's certain circumstances. But baffling refereeing again. Totally. Once again, there is a number of players in that first half for Dundee United that should have been on bookings that weren't. Yep. The way I saw it, the two of them went for the ball. There was a wee bit of afters, nothing major. They got up, they sort of squared up to each other. That was it. There was nothing. There was absolutely nothing else. All it needed for, for, for the referee, if he wasn't going to do, do anything, to separate them, tell them to get, get a grip and get on with it. But no... Because Alfredo Morelos is involved, it's him that gets booked, Derek. It's absolutely incredible. There was never a booking in it for for him. Uh, and as you say, if there was going to be a yellow card, both players were just as bad as each other, if that's what the referee was, was going to do. But no, it's Alfred, Alfredo Morelos once again, Derek, baffling. But at that stage, after seeing what I had witnessed in the first half by the referee, I wasn't surprised about anything that he was going to do for then on because I just knew that we were getting nothing whatsoever for this game. Absolutely shocking. Yep. So, unfortunately, though, the referee wasn't really the reason why we were losing, but these are ultimately game-changing decisions, and I think that we can have a moan when you're getting game-changing decisions like that. Yep. I mean, as I said, there's a penalty, there's a couple of yellow cards, there's certainly yep. a red card. So, yep. you know, it's, it's getting ridiculous. Derek, you're saying we can't blame the referee for, for us getting beat, but we should have been winning 1-0 before or yeah. the chance to win 1-0 with the blatant penalty that, that we didn't get. So it is affecting the results as well, uh, you know, which is shocking. So we do have a bloody right to complain and mo- moan about it when it's major things like that that we're not getting. Yeah. So into the second half, I mean, certainly the... the for really after the goal for, for Dundee United, we did kind of go to sleep a bit. We were yes. a bit lackadaisical. We weren't moving freely enough. We weren't creating space for ourselves, and it was really poor to see. What I noticed, Derek, from us was, and this isn't a, this isn't a criticism of the player, just the way that Dundee United had set up, we were not getting the you know the tactics that, that Giovanni had set up with regards to the likes of Scott Arfield just weren't working. Arfield was was trying his hardest out there, but getting no space at all, just for the way that United set up. And I felt that any joy that we had in the, the first half was coming down the left hand side because we had both Kent and Bassey in there on the left hand side that were creating. We were creating nothing on the right hand side at all. And I felt that maybe Arfield was just you know you, you know the man to come off at that stage to try and you know change it up a bit you know to give us more balance on the right hand side. That's what I thought myself when I was watching it. It was he kind of tried to set up the way that he did against Borussia Dortmund, but Dundee United weren't going to come out all out attacking against us, Derek. So it was maybe a wee, uh, you know, he had to change it for the second half. Yeah. However, no subs at half time. In the second half, though, I've got to say you can't really fault the players' efforts because they were they were great in the second half. They just couldn't find that breakthrough. There was just a wee spark lacking in the bit, a wee bit of accuracy lacking. We just weren't getting the, the rub of the green sometimes. And as I said, Dundee United were packing their box so tight. Again, though, that's yep. really down to us to, to break down. Yeah, no, I, I understand that, yep. Dundee United did have a chance on the 50th minute though, McGregor had to make a save in the 57th minute, that one player you mentioned, Arfield did come off and Sakala came yeah. on, so a wee bit more direct, a wee bit more skill involved there 
59th minute, a corner in from the right from Tavernier to the near post. Aribo with a flick on, a great save, and then Sakala couldn't get the ball with the follow-up, mainly because he was getting fucking pulled back. Unbelievable again, Bennett. Unbelievable. Nothing given, clear as you like on the replay. The linesman, if the referee couldn't see it, then the linesman was in perfect position to see it. For the fact that he couldn't get a shot off because his jersey was clearly getting pulled back and nothing to be given again. And then that player as well, turns out he was already on a yellow card. So so there's about three things in that that the referee and the linesman have clearly fucked up on. It was a clear shot pulling in the box. There's your penalty. If you want to go down the route of it, it was actually a yellow card, but technically it should have been a red card because there was no attempt to play for the ball in the first place. So there you go. There's three things that the referees fucked up on in that one. Unbelievable. One thing I will say though, Derek, a wee bit of good good light getting Sean on it there, is fair play to Castor because their pro tops must be absolute (laughs) supreme quality because the way that he pulled Sakala's jersey back basically doubling the size of the top and for that not to rip in half like nearly any other type of material would so it's fair play to the quality that Castor are using in their their pro tops there it's well done on that one yeah it must be yeah 68th minute, Sakala with a great ball in from the right. Morelos running in, hits off his knee and the keeper makes a good save. Not sure Morelos knew anything about it at that point. 73rd minute, Kent driving down the left with a good spin at the halfway line. Gets into the box, plays a lovely cross across the deck, but there was no takers. Just after that, Helen are off and Ahmad on, so certainly going to be a bit more attacking there. And arguably it maybe paid off because in the 76th minute, we drew level with Aribo scoring. Kent on the left, a lovely through ball to Bass who cuts it back at the goal line to Aribo who blasts it high in the top left corner past the keeper just outstanding from Kent and what a cut back from Bassey as well great vision yep superb that's what I said in the first half the, the one we sort of bit, bit of joy that we were getting was down the left hand side because Bassey certainly looked in the mood Kent was getting very very closely marked but he was finding Bassey a lot trying to put, put him through you know on, on the last man and finally paid off for him Kent, as you say, great play, great ball. Bassey kept running to the byline and then just spotted a rebound. Great cutback for him and a fantastic finish by a rebound, who had also been having a tough game, Derek. He was getting marked, but at least sort of took two players the whole game. So for him to get out, uh, away for there just for a split second to score that goal, superb. Great play all round and gave us a bit of hope, Derek, because we had been in the ascendancy for the whole of the second half at this stage. So great for us to get back into the game. Yeah, one note about the goal as well is it was variation because generally all game would have been getting down the wing, crossing in, cleared, getting down the wing, crossing, cleared. This was a variation where he actually got to the wing and properly cuts it back rather than yeah. crossing it in. So, you know, we got a goal from it. So maybe a, maybe a learning point in that case there. Yep. 70th minute it was a lovely cross into the left side Sakala with a lovely diving header saved by the keeper rebounds off the defender and then off the post and then cleared it was offside in any case unfortunately a correct decision as Sakala was literally you could see his wee head sticking out past the, yeah. the defender there but really unlucky that there 81st minute was a cross in from the right side of the box by United McGregor puts his hand out deflects it back into the box and cleared nearly picked up a Dundee United player but we managed to get the ball back and cleared 81st minute, there was a lovely ball through to Ahmad on the right side of the, the Dundee United half. The crowd shouted to claim that he's offside, oh. so he so he stops. Aye. He's about two yards onside. 
I mean, yeah. he's not to know that there was a, a player, you know, well back, you know, behind him, playing him onside. But rule one, play to the whistle. You never, no, ever stop. I, no excuses, Derek. There's a lot of people on Twitter saying he's, he's just a young player. That lad is more experienced a player than, you know, the vast majority of us out, out there in Twitter land that, that, that are in our 40s. He's been playing football since he's a very young boy. And the first thing, as you say, Derek, you play to the whistle. There was no excuses for that at all. He was in a great position to get in, into the box. There was Morelos just waiting at the back post again for him. He, he put the ball across. Absolutely baffling what he was thinking about there. And really just a, a great opportunity. And it was just down to him. That was all on him, Derek. Yep. Next thing, on the 83rd minute, Ahmad gets the ball into the box on the right-hand side, has a shot, hits the outside of the post. I'm looking at the picture of it now, Dave. I am just absolutely scunnered with him at that point there because yeah. if he squared it, Sakala has a tap into yeah. an empty yeah. net. I Definitely, just, yeah. I get going for glory. I get being a striker and wanting to score the goal, but the angle was narrowing every time. The keeper had already committed. He had made his move. A simple square ball. You know, Sakala was nowhere near being offside at that point. Yeah. And it was a simple tap-in, and there's your 2-1 right there. He never even looked up. He just he was so direct to go, which sometimes you need. At this point, I think everybody was so frustrated for, with him because I know he's young, but he's not young enough to know the likes of play to the whistle. He's not young enough to know that you, you look up before you take a, a shot to see who's around you. And even more frustrating, he was shiting out of tackles. That is not acceptable at any level. I think we would have forgiven him for the tackle, Derek, if uh, either one of those two other incidents we spoke about had done the right thing. I don't know what was going through his head. As I say, there's so many people are wanting to defend him to say he's, he's a young player. This is a guy that was scouted by Man United and played in Italy and you know he's been playing a lot of football all his life. I really hope he comes back in, Derek, and, and he proves us wrong because he's came with a huge reputation for us. And apart from scoring that one goal in his first game for us, he's not really looked as if he's done a lot for us. I don't know if it's the pace of the game. I, I honestly don't know, but that was the perfect opportunity for him either to score or you know, to set one up for us with the two opportunities there. Uh, and he just, you know, c- c- completely failed at both, which is really disappointing, especially at that stage of the game. Yeah. 90th minute, Kent with a shot after cutting inside with the ball, but it went wide. And on the 95th minute, Sakala with a cross from the right, skimmed the top of the crossbar and out from the far side. So that's how the game ended up. Really, really bitterly disappointed. You know, Celtic were to play later on that day, and they obviously won by, I think it was by a goal or something like that. It was 2-1, I can't yeah. remember. The irony in the whole situation as well is the fact that Celtic in the dying minutes, there was a clear handball by them in their own box, and quite clearly, nothing was given as per usual. So there's Celtic gaining potentially two points, us losing two points yeah. from that. So there's a four-point swing basically because of refereeing ineptitude right there. It is, Derek. I was bitterly disappointed. Uh, and again, I, I'll go back to my years of wisdom watching your club for many, many years. Uh, and there are certain things, I've got, I've got a couple of things that, that, that I wanted to, to mention here about the game, Derek. One, we've been in the position before, especially in tight title races in, in the past, where the things have been going against us. 
and we have managed to salvage a draw from away, you know, from a, a defeat. And that point has been crucial come the end of the season. I can remember a game against Hearts Ibrox quite a few few years back that, that proved it to be. So I'm hoping that that's, you know, what's going to turn around, that come the end of the season, well, I've got things right. And hopefully that point will be seen as a point gained rather than as, you know, get, getting beat. That's what I'm hoping. The other thing that I wanted to ask you about, Derek, was the amount of chances that we created in, in that game. Now, I think that I, I saw the start that's probably the most amount of chances that we've created all season. And we could only score one goal and Dundee United went out to be as negative as possible and defend that's you know, their right to do so. We were needing a poacher at that point, Derek. I don't care what anybody says. We were needing somebody just to be in that box to get on the end and the slightest sniff. Sakala's not that type of player, Derek. He's a guy there that gives you 100%. He'll, he'll run on to everything. We, we all know what you, you know Morelos is, but he had two men on him the whole game. He wasn't getting any joy. We were needing crying out for a, a poacher there, Derek. The last 15 minutes of the game, and the one player that I thought to myself, if he was on the bench that we've been crying out for, that would have put money on scoring, would have been Jermaine Defoe, right? Now, a guy at that age, we've let him go. He wasn't getting his opportunity. I realised that. I just feel that we were being a wee bit naive there by letting him go because I think he's the perfect guy, especially you know at the stage his career experience he's got. If you're chasing a goal with 10, 15 minutes to go and you've got him on the bench, you, you bring him on. I don't know how, how you feel about it, Derek. I, I was thinking back to other times in the past. I, I was thinking back to the 2003-2004 season when we had a veteran Claudio Canigia on our team and things were going against us and we managed to scrape our way into the Champions League and any sort of victory would have been huge for us. And I can remember thinking back then certain games that we were h- hanging on to, you know, either a draw or winning 1-0, to have a Kenija to bring on to the park with, you know, 25 minutes to go just to get on the ball and, and run with it. And we didn't have it. And I'm getting a horrible feeling that we maybe been a bit naive and letting Defoe go. I, I realise the age of him, Derek, and we shouldn't be relying on guys as old as that. But he was something else. You know, he's not just your, your aging player. He was still a guy who had so, so much to offer, especially for us. I don't know what your feelings are about that, Derek. Do you think that it was, you know, that he'd have been the perfect player to bring on at that stage? 100%, because the stats there were 29 attempts and only three on target. I mean, that's ridiculous. I know Dundee United were crowding the box, but as you said, we just needed somebody to be in there, just get the scrappy wee goal. It doesn't really matter how they go in as long as they go in. And he yep. is a player with obviously immense talent and he can score the worldies, as we've seen, but he can also do the dirty work as well. And it's really frustrating that, you know, you look at these stats and you think, what what the hell happened there? We're not putting keepers under any pressure whatsoever. And no. when you continually put keepers under pressure, they are liable to make a mistake at one point or maybe just not get as clean a, a take it off something at, at some point. 
you need to be putting them under pressure and that is the, the big issue. Just kind of want to round off this game here. So most pundits did state it was two clear penalties and a red card for the shirt pull at least. Amazingly, Ryan Jack had a bad challenge where he went for the ball. He did manage to kind of land the studs on the player. Obviously the idiots out in social media put the still image out there and it looks actually really bad. But when you actually watch it in motion, it actually yeah. pulls out of the challenge. So yeah. he does catch him but not with his full weight because there's no follow-through. It was an attempted tackle, nothing more than that. But of course, there are calls for him to face trial by TV. For me, it was a yellow card, nothing more. On that same note, though, absolutely nothing said about the challenge Mulgrudan. I think it was on Arfield, which he was already on a yellow. It was a very similar challenge, but he did actually follow through with his full sliding challenge as well. Nothing given. Nothing said about trial by TV. So, as I kind of alluded to there, that was two definite red cards, two definite penalties in this game, which never went for us. Celtic game, there was a clear handball, wasn't given, and they could have Dundee could have drawn level with a penalty, which ultimately Ford. And I think Celtic have had four points from decisions go for them, which shouldn't have been since January. I mean, for me, now it's a case of it's not one-offs, it's not even contentious or 50-50 decisions. It's glaring obvious errors, which, given the weight of how many go against us, genuine decisions, unlike Celtic's pretendy ones, you can't help but think that there are issues with refs giving us decisions. After all, there is a history of broken windows and threats when something goes against Celtic. Ultimately, full-time refs are needed in this country. No ifs, no buts, full-time refs are needed. As I've said before, let the existing referees see out their tenure. Start a referee academy apprenticeship thing just now. A referee in the Premiership earns about £1,000 plus travel, plus expenses for a game. So that's really, what, two games a week, 25 to 30 games, you know, a, a season for 10 hours a week at maximum. Not That's round about normal full-time wage for the likes of me and you. So it's obviously not going to be good enough for the existing refs who have full-time jobs like teachers, lawyers, so that's why the apprenticeship is needed. Obviously, there are calls for VAR now. Premiership clubs are apparently to be holding a meeting on Monday about it. There's no going to be a vote on Monday, but it's expected at the end of the season. Now, all 42 clubs are apparently going to vote at the end of the season, but only Premiership teams will be asked to contribute any money towards yeah. it, which apparently the fees are going to be the region of eighty to £100,000 per season. Now, considering teams can get relegated or promoted based on decisions like this, which there's a lot of results and a lot of money lost or gained, potentially jobs lost, VAR for me now is a must. Now, I think 80 to 100 grand per team is really not a lot, to be honest. However, I find it laughable with the fact that Jim White has called for the old firm to pay for it all. The old firm are the only reason why there's a TV deal in this country. Granted, it's utter shite, but blame the SFA and the SPFL for that one. But to call for us to pay for it is just utterly ridiculous. We've been calling for for it for for ages, Derek, and the, the, the prices that were being quoted when it was first muted were a hell of a lot more than what's been muted now, surely. For the good of the game, if it's going to cost about eighty thousand for each club, as you say, it's the a lot of it is decisions that are going to affect you know a team winning, a team winning the league, a team getting relegated. It could be huge, hugely. You know, you know the cost could could, could be huge for, for financially for for all clubs involved. It's the only way to go, Derek. It, it really is uh, because we need to stop the farcical refereeing that we saw at the weekend there, absolutely shocking 
Uh, and it is really for me. I, I know you're, that, that you're talking about full time refs, but in the meantime, VAR for me is the, the only way to go. Yeah, I mean, we're the only league in the top 15 of Europe that hasn't got it. I mean, yeah. the Serbian league has got it. I yeah. mean, who the fuck are in Serbia, you know? If they've got it, how come Scotland can't get it? Absolute yep. backwater. Anyway, that'll be a discussion for another day, no doubt. Yes. So, in the table, really disappointing that league, that game, obviously. But we've played 27, won 19, drawn 6, lost 2, scored 56, conceded 22, goal difference plus 34, and we're on 63 points. We're sitting second, three behind Celtic with a nine less goal difference. So, you know... People are saying the league's over. That's utter nonsense. See when it's yeah. see when there's two old firm games to go. There's a there's six points straight away. You know, no guarantees we're going to win them. We'll need to be on their best best games, obviously. But you know, when there's still two old firm games to go, the, the gap is less than six points. Then it is still within yeah. our destiny, within our with our own remit to do. You're not relying on Celtic dropping points. So we're on twenty ahead of Hearts as well. So it's really, it is once again but between us and Celtic. So, games to come. Thursday the 24th, which will be tonight by the time this comes out. That's at home to Dortmund uh, in the Europa League last 32 leg two. That's an eight o'clock kickoff. Good news. Haaland is out. You know, a lot of people kind of debate, no, it's, it's, I wish I wanted to see him. I don't give a fuck, to be honest. I want us to have the best <laughs> chance of going through. <laughs> Absolutely fucking baffling that anybody would want him to play when he's with the best player and one of the best in Europe. Uh, Ramsey is out, though, and Balogun is back. You know, Ramsey is just an absolute baffling <sighs> one. It's just turning into one of these signings, isn't it? Derek, do we know officially the reason that he is out? Has, has that been disclosed? Apparently it's from the knock he picked up in the first Dortmund game. Right, okay. Which was supposed to be a, a non-serious, was it a thigh injury? Uh, which was uh, only going to keep keep keep, keep him out for you know, maybe one game or, or, or something like that. Fans are desperate to see him. He's a huge name in world football, not no just in Scottish football. We've, we've got him in, in our team. The usual pe- people, the, the cynics out there are saying, oh yeah, surprise, surprise, he's injured, you've, you know, you've you've got uh, th- th- this player that, that we knew that we weren't w- 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 going to there. There's, there's just, there's, there's a, not a, a lot being said in the press conference. I sat in it and I listened to Gio's press conference today. There's not a lot being said about it. I'm hoping that's the case. That is a very m- minor knock and they're not going to risk him and hopefully he'll be back. I really hope so because it's a guy like him that we were needing to unlock like the Dundee United defence at the weekend. That was the type of player that we were looking for as well. Uh, and you know we, we we've not got him, so I really hope that he comes back fully fit really soon because we're we're desperate for a wee lift as well, uh, especially in the league games, Derek. Yeah. Sunday the twenty seventh of February at home to Motherwell in the Premiership. That's a fifteen hundred kickoff. Wednesday the second of March away to St Johnson. That's in the Premiership also. That's a nineteen forty five kickoff. Saturday the fifth of March at home to Aberdeen. That's in the Premiership. That's a three o'clock kickoff. That's obviously the hundred and fiftieth anniversary game as well. So we're wearing our hundred and fiftieth anniversary tops. So we're not going to get a result in that game then, are we? I'm unfortunately going to miss the game. Me and the wife have got a a day out we had had to rearrange because of our COVID issues. Um, Saturday the 12th of March, that's away to Dundee in the Scottish Cup quarter final. And the last game to round out March is Sunday the 20th of March, away to Dundee in the Premiership. Uh, it's a 12 o'clock kickoff, so a double header against Dundee there. All 
potentially winnable games. Uh, and as I say, ho- hopefully we'll be coming with sort of full points and through to the next round, round of the cup by the time we get to the end of these matches. Two cups. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> So, all to play for, and we'll come back again the next time with updates to those games. So, it's time to go into the classic match. And then it is, the final whistle's gone, Rangers have won the European Cup Winners' Cup. So Dave, you've got a game with another German team, also called Borussia, but I'm not even going to try and pronounce their, their last name. <laughs> hey, Derek, for a long time, uh, when I've been looking back, obviously got RTV and looking at the classic matches and stuff like that I've been looking to try and go back quite a bit and look back at some of the, the great teams involving the likes of John Gregg and McLean, McDonald you know all these, Sandy Jardin McCloy, all, all these guys that I had heard of you know for years and years from a lot older Rangers fans that I found a game that I have been hearing about for years and years and it was in Europe as well as you say against German opposition and it was a European Cup Winners' Cup last 16. Second round leg, uh, which was played at Ibrox against the German giants of Borussia Mönchengladbach. And it's a game that a lot of people talk about. Rangers, I'll tell, I'll, I'll give you the lineups. There's a lot of players that, you know, even guys that are a lot younger like yourself have heard of, Derek, but uh, the, the Rangers team in that night, McCloy, Jardin, Willie Matheson, John Gregg, Colin Jackson, Tom McDonald, McLean, Forsyth, O'Hara, Alfie Conn and Doug Houston. The Borussia Mönchengladbach team, though, surprisingly, a couple of names in there, guys who I'd, I'd heard of, of course, ex-Scotland manager and then German international stalwart Bertie Vokes playing in defence for Borussia Mönchengladbach, Jupp Heynckes as well, former winner of the Champions League with Bayern Munich, you know, not too long ago was playing in there and Henning Jensen, who was a Danish international, one of the, the, the best strikers in the world at the time, so Rangers up against a team full of international players, German international players, I think there was only one, I did my, my homework here, Derek, believe it or not there was only one non-international player playing against Rangers that night, which is quite incredible. But the game started off with some typical 70s early crunching tackles. Tam Forsyth taking his man right out, out of the game just on the sort of first minute. That was back in the days where you targeted the best player and basically just tried to take, take them out as early as possible just to let them know that, 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 that you were there. In the fourth minute, Rangers got a corner on the right-hand side. The ball was floated to the back post. Colin Jackson rose above but headed the ball just wide. Really un- unlucky there. Chance for McDonald not not longer not long after that. In the box, the ball was played into the the, the, the Borussia box, headed down by Con. McDonald was back to go on the penalty spot. He turns and shoots just wide. Really unlucky there. Then uh, Borussia uh, with a great move. One touch passing down the right hand side, and the ball was laid off to Yip Heinkiss, who shot. Straight at McCoy, thankfully, but then in the 11th minute, Rangers took the lead. Again, Rangers pushing extra men forward. Let it go, it's O'Hara. Hits the bar. Con. Exactly 10 minutes, and that's the early goal that Rangers wanted. Tremendous shot spinning off the bar. Broke to Con. 
They drove it hand and law. Keeper got a touch, couldn't keep it from going into the net. The Rangers lead 1 0. And that's a tremendous start for them. It was a free kick on the left wing. It was swung in. O'Hara heads towards the goal. It crashes off the post, rebounds to Alfie Con, who shoots and bundles the ball past the keeper to make it 1 0 to Rangers. So, great start. Early goal, which was what Rangers were leading because they were uh, down from the first leg. So then a few minutes after that, ball played up to O'Hara at the edge of the box. We back to Con. He lays the ball off to McLean. He feints a shot, beats his man, shoots for the edge of the box. But unlucky, it was straight at Clef, the goalkeeper. Fantastic play by McLean at that stage. Then John Gregg on the left wing. He puts a fantastic cross into the box, headed out. Only to McDonald, he then on the half volley for the edge of the box, just wide. Fantastic skill there by McDonald. Really unlucky. It was end to end stuff at that point. Rangers piling on the pressure, trying to get the second goal, but Borussia breaking its speed. But then on the 27th, unfortunately, Borussia scored. Oh, no one there for that one. This is a chance, and it's a goal. And that could well be that. Henning Jensen. Coming straight through there, unchallenged eventually, and with a magnificent right foot shot, beat Peter McCly all the way. There's the score, and the time is 27 minutes, and that all along has been the danger to Rangers. The quick break, the quick shot, and a goal lost. It was Jensen, the Danish international, he picks up the ball in the right wing, runs into the box, and nobody anywhere near him, no challenges, he has all the time in the world, fires past McCoy to make it 1-0, but only five minutes after that, Rangers retook the lead. Playing to the far side, Jackson trying to go up, breaks to Houston, over it comes, Jackson still there, and it's a goal, Jackson scores, 32 minutes played, Colin Jackson scores his second goal of the season and Rangers lead 2-1. It was a corner on the right, whipped in, headed out to the left wing, then it was crossed back in by Gregor, a fantastic leap and a powerful header by Jackson past the goalkeeper into the net, into the goal to make it 2-1. Jackson was having a fantastic game there for Rangers. Then a few minutes after that, Jardin on the right wing, he puts a fantastic ball into the box and then an overhead kick by Conn heading for the top corner, but an incredible save by Clef. German international keeper, top corner, manages to pull it off. Rangers really are lucky not to go 3-1 up there. And then on the 44th minute, just before half-time, free kick to Rangers on the right wing. McDonald fires the ball into the box. Jackson with a free header again over the bar. Really should have scored. The halftime whistle blew. Rangers had been going all out in that game. Really unlucky. They had at least three or four outstanding chances to score, but could only get the two. So winning 2-1 two, two, at half time. Then into the second half, Rangers really going out to try and get that third goal to get them back into the tie. Great play by Matheson. And he puts a long diagonal ball from left back area out to the right wing to Con. Uh, with a first-time cross to O'Hara, right in front of goal, but he heads wide onto the defender and out for the corner. He really should have scored there. O'Hara had a bit of a nightmare in this game, had a few really outstanding chances to score, and that was certainly one of them. Really should have scored that one. Then a cross in from Greg, 
heading for the goalkeeper, but the defender sort of jumps up in front and the keeper heads it up. O'Hara with a diving header just over the bar, right in front of goal as well. Really unlucky. But then Borussia with a great chance. That showed you how well that they could break at pace. One and one with the goalkeeper. Thankfully, he shoots past McCloy's post still to keep it 2-1 to Rangers. But then on the 61st minute, Rangers increased the lead. Rangers throw. Young to McLean. Young onside for a thumb pass. Over it comes. A back header. Houston heading it across. Here's McDonald. McDonald scores. And Rangers are still trying. They will not give up. 15 and a half minutes in the second half. McDonald makes it 3-1 for Rangers. Down the right-hand side, on the right wing, it was a throw-in onto the right wing. It was crossed in, into the box. It was headed out by the defender only as far as Houston, who heads the ball back into the box, perfectly in front of McDonald. The ball just sort of dropped right in front of him at head height, and he threw himself at the ball. Powerful header past the goalkeeper to make it 3-1 to Rangers. So at that stage of the game, Derek, it was 4-3 to Borussia Mönchengladbach on aggregate. Obviously, they had the all-important away goal, which was a nightmare, but Rangers had got the third goal, really going out to try and get a fourth to give them a chance. There was still half an hour of the game left to go, but unfortunately, made us pay, and on the 71st minute, they got their goal. Bank is coming through. Now he's finding Jensen. Jensen turns it against McCloy, picks the rebound and drives it into the net, and that could be it. Jensen, the scorer, scored in the first half, scored in the second. Makes the score in this match 3-2, but really gives Rangers virtually an impossible task now. 5-3 for Borussia on aggregate. It was Yip Heinkes, quality player, dances down the left wing, into Jensen again, he shoots... It's saved by McCloy, but it comes back to Jensen for his second chance and he buries his second chance to make it 3-2 to Rangers. The tie was over, but Rangers still going out attacking at that stage. When they, they had the players that they did in the team, you would be expecting them to do that. Uh, and John Gregg with a blistering shot for outside the box, a fantastic save by Clef. That was in the 80th minute. Then McDonald, who had been probably Rangers' best attacking player throughout the whole game, He's on the left wing. He leaves two defenders for dead into Alex O'Hara in front of goal. He stabs his shot, but unfortunately straight at Clef. Still 3-2. And then a last chance for Rangers at the end. Con on the left wing. He runs at the defenders, cuts into the edge of the box and shoot, but just over the bar. So, unfortunately, Rangers go out on aggregate by five goals to three. But for the team that Rangers were playing, it was absolutely sensational. The result at Ibrox, Rangers really should have scored at least another three or four goals in the clear-cut chances, which could have got them through at the end of the day. It wasn't to be man of the matches for me, Colin Jackson and Alex McDonald, who was absolutely sensational in the game. Derek, I realise that there are a lot of players that you've never heard of playing for Rangers, that there will be a, a few players that you will have. But to go back and watch Rangers back then uh, at Ibrox, it wasn't a full Ibrox. It wasn't when Rangers were really dominating Scottish football, but we still had a lot of quality players. But to see the game and to see these players but back then, Derek, obviously it was before I was born, but it was players who have been hearing about for a long, long time. You see the legendary John Gregg playing as well. 
something that should all you know, go back and, and try and have, have a look at the set-up of players at old that were stars for, for Rangers. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it, Derek. I'm going to go back and try and find some more games for our classic matches from that era because it's very interesting to me as well. Because obviously I know you know the Rangers players for the mid eighties or onwards, but to go back and see the you know have the chance to have Rangers TV and to get the classic matches, it's it's great just to be able to go back and see some of these players that I've heard so much about. Yeah, absolutely, and you know certainly our our European pedigree back then, obviously winning the Cup Winners Cup in in seventy two, yeah. and we did have a lot of hard line stories, and certainly that was one of these these ones. Obviously, the way goals you know killed us as well, and yes. yeah, but you know one of these things, unfortunately. So, Dave will have another classic match in the next episode. Yeah, so it's time to go into the news. Right, so a fair few bits and pieces as ever to get through in the news. First thing about a sad news, former Rangers and Airdrie defender Doug Bailey has died at the age of 85 after a short illness. Played for us in the 60s and he was part of the squad that won the title in 61, 63 and 64. He only played around 31 league games for us, however, so not sure if he would actually got any medals, unfortunately. He retired from uh, retired from his football career into the police as well as a respected journalist as well. So, you know, certainly players of that age, you know, once they yeah. retire from that from football, it wasn't just sit back and, you know, drive my Bentley in, in my mansion or anything yeah. like that. It was they were going to actually do proper, proper jobs. So um, unbelievable exactly. there. Yeah, yeah. no, it's a sad, sad story, but Derek, but yeah. Uh, you know, good that you've covered that ex-Rangers players. It sounds as if he had quite a interesting life as well, even when he was away for football. So, Yep. Next thing, another four million new shares have been issued, totaling one million pounds. I've no clue if it's to an individual or loan paybacks to, to investors. There was one done in January for about a similar amount as well. There comes a point when it's surely a bit worrying that we keep having to do this, especially as it dilutes existing shares. It's always something that's in, in in the back of your minds, Derek. You know, it's it's great that we are trying to generate money, but as you say, it's, it's constantly that diluting, isn't it? I know it's done, and you know, every big company in the world does it all all the time. But it seems to be happening a lot with us, and again, it just makes it uh, you know ever so more important. The talk of possible Champions League football next season on the line could be. You know, it's, it's going to be absolutely massive for us, so I uh, will just have to watch that one closely. Yep. Uh, next thing, our broth keeper Derek Gaston has been appointed our new academy keeper coach. So I'm not sure if he's going to keep his slot at our broth or that's I'm done with that. His Wikipedia still has him as a part-time lifeguard at the time capsule also, <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty sure that'll be stopping. <laughs> Next thing is a host of stars have signed up to our 150th anniversary tribute game on the 26th of March. So, so far in the Jers 11, there's going to be Hutton, Queller, McCulloch, Papich, Alberts, Mendes, Ferguson, DeBoer, Malls, Yelovich, Boyd, Gio, and also the big probably star attraction of that team is Gaza. So, interesting there. However, the World 11, we've got Cordoba, Cavallo, Roberto Carlos, Makalele, Figo, Roy Mackay, Georgie Hadji, Robert Perez, Miatovic, and rather strangely, Robbie Keane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bet that's went down well, Derek. Yes, exactly. So hopefully Kevin Thompson can maybe go appear for the, the Rangers <laughs> 11 and lay one on him. On him again. <laughs> 
fair play to him for, for doing it, Derek, for a guy who is a self-confessed Celtic fan and did get his chance to go, even though it was on loan to them, you would be expecting there would be nobody of that uh, allegiance to that club that would agree to come and do that and play in the game to him. So fair play to him for, for, for acknowledging it, Derek, and for putting you know, for, for saying he's going to turn up. Yep. Next thing, Stuart Robertson done an interview with Sky talking about they expect us to be profitable this season, which is always a good thing. However, the main talking point is that he said that away fans will be back for both the remaining yeah. uh, two Old Firm games. Not the 7,000 odd that has been in previous seasons, but the usual, the, or the now usual, 800 odd allocation. That's very fair, I think, and as he stated, there was no Celtic fans at the first one this season as there was a red zone and Celtic couldn't guarantee that we would get fans in the return fixture. So here's the the big problem with that one there, is that no away fans when the red zone was completely sanctioned by the SPFL, however, no away fans just because you're a petty arsehole that's not sanctioned by the SPFL, so I'm really not sure how Celtic have still not been pulled up for this. So in short, that you could assume that from what Robertson's saying is that the both clubs have spoken, or at, le- at the very least, we've offered an olive branch. However, because Celtic have got a permanent inferiority complex and a massive chip on their shoulder, they released a statement. That's really unlike Celtic, isn't it? <laughs> saying that further to recent media reports regarding ticket allocations for away fans at Celtic Park, to clarify, Celtic determines the allocation for visiting teams at Celtic Park and will confirm the position for future matches at the appropriate time. So, so, So many, many things wrong with that. I mean, clearly the clubs then have not spoken, so they've just, so Rangers have ultimately offered an olive branch and they've just chucked it right back at us. The whole thing about Celtic determining the allocation, well, no, Celtic don't determine the allocation. The SPFL rulebook does. Granted, it doesn't say, you know, there's a specific amount or a specific percentage. It states a reasonable amount of away fans. So Celtic really don't determine anything in this real, real case because a, a, a reasonable amount to them might be 50 fans. That's that's not a reasonable amount at all. So in, in, in any case, the police are likely going to have the final say on what is the reasonable amount anyway. Lastly, once again... It's a completely reactionary, disproportionate, over-the-top and antagonistic statement from them. Completely offended by everything, aren't they? To me, Derek actually found it very childish. It was, uh, we are going to, because there'll be a lot of Celtic fans will be complaining and making out that Rangers are dictating what's going to happen, we have to immediately go out to show our fans that that's not the case. We're in control, whereas you just said that it's a complete, utter nonsense, Derek. I, like yourself, thought that the way that Stuart Robertson was talking, that both clubs had spoken about it and it had been agreed. I honestly don't know what's happening now at all, but I do think that this is a piece that they've put out to try and appease their fans who would have been absolutely raging and demanding a statement from the club uh, because they thought that we were trying to dictate exactly what was going to and we had decided what, what, what was going to happen, which I find incredibly childish, Derek. We, we keep getting it thrown in our faces that there should be away fans at Ibrox, especially during the old forum game. You would have thought that after that there would have been people coming in and saying, oh, that's great, you know, a bit, a bit of common sense, oh, we're happy, blah, 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 but no, it's got to go the complete opposite way, like what you said, Derek, to try and show everybody we, we, we're in control and we're not going to get dictated to. It's just, just pathetic. 
I mean, this is the thing as well, as Celtic fans and Celtic-based pundits are completely slamming Rangers for destroying the atmosphere of the old firm. Well, sorry, the, the Glasgow Derby that they use. Yet they don't understand that them using the Glasgow Derby, refusing to say the old firm game, is completely doing the exact same as well, if that's really the case. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the old firm is trademarked by both of us, which they, they don't seem to acknowledge either. <laughs> As I've said to you, I think they're abusing their trademark, so it should actually be getting taken off them. They're only doing it to stop us, uh, stop the trademark getting abused. Well, that's utter bullshit for a start. But the Old Firm trademark is known worldwide. It is a worldwide brand, the Old Firm. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones that are damaging it by refusing to to say it's the the Old Firm and they keep using the Glasgow Derby. So utter bollocks. The the whole thing about the fan allocation as well with some of our fans, they they want more tickets for, for Parkhead. I'm sorry, that's you just being absolutely selfish. I, I, I appreciate that you want to go to an away game and support the team and you're this uber fan and all that kind of thing, but we were getting chucked away in a tiny wee corner. And even if they gave us 7,000 and right in the prominent prominent part, I still wouldn't want to go back to eight, seven, 8,000 fans the way it was. It was a joke that they got that amount in the first place. So I just don't understand that thinking either. But we'll move on. Yeah. A bunch of court case stuff now we've got to kind of go over. The sheriff at the heart of the, the warrants that were granted for the Duff and Phelps posse, he was apparently a shareholder in Rangers. As I said in the last podcast, I can't imagine any Rangers fans would want to go out and deliberately pin stuff on anyone just to get some sort of justice. I want the real culprits that were involved in, in basically this whole corruption cabal. As I've said though, with various different subjects, there doesn't actually need to be any wrongdoing, just the perception of wrongdoing as it creates issues, especially in terms of the law. So this sheriff really, really should have stood back due to the conflict of interest, especially given the nature of what Duff and Phelps were doing. It was all to do with money and shares and shareholdings, etc. And given the fact that he's apparently a shareholder, that's exactly where the conflict of yep. interest is. Once again, it's shown the Crown Office majorly fucked this up. Interesting, though, to see if BDO, the, the liquidators, have any recourse and compensation for from the Crown Office of this major fuck-up that they've done that ultimately collapsed the case. Where does it go now, Derek? What's... Uh you, you'd understand it of it. Well, from what I said the last time, I believe that the Duffin Phelps posse were suing the Crown Office in relation to this for the, the, the abuse of power in, in terms of the, the guy granting the warrants. So yep. I'm not going to say too much more because I, I really don't know and I don't want to prejudice any, any case. All I'm saying is that the guy might have been fully above board. It's just the perception of, of the wrongdoing that, that might have been in there. And as I said, there is a conflict of interest there for me anyway. So in this case, I do actually kind of almost side with Duff and Phelps. But again, it just shows you that the Crown Office have fucked up in this yeah. case. Sure. Not finished with the Crown Office by any means yet, though, because I've still got a couple other things. Is the, the PF, they've decided that they're going to drop the criminal case against the racist Cadella as they claim it is not in the public interest to prosecute him. What? Incredible. I mean, racism is a hot topic right now, yep. especially over what's happened in the last year and a half, two years. How can that not be in the public interest, Derek? Yeah, it's an utter joke. I mean, unless that's code for them for saying that we don't actually have enough evidence, which would be fair enough. But generally, when there's not enough evidence, they actually do say that, that there's not enough evidence to bring a prosecution forward. The only good thing about that story is that they're, they've also said that they're not prosecuting Kamara under the his media assault charge as well for the exact same reason. So, 
I found it amazing the fact that it was even got that far with Kamara. The choice of words there, Derek, not in the public interest, I'm absolutely flabbergasted about because surely the public interest is the you, you know the the most important thing about the whole case. So quite incredible. As you say, if they've not got enough evidence, then I'm sure that they came out and said it. So I, I, I honestly can't can't believe that. The, the Kamara th- thing as well, Derek. That is, you know, that's that's fine if if that's what's going to happen. But the the, the whole thing, they, they should be totally clarifying everything that, that they come to. Just that it's no in the interest of the public. It's just I don't know if it's a cop out. I'm I'm not sure, but it sounds absolutely incredible to me. Anyway. Yep, absolutely. And lastly, here the Crown Office. The case against the Celtic fan who snuck into Ibrox in the dead of night on May 2020, who planted a Celtic flag, spat on and made a apparently made a mess on the pitch. I don't know what that really means. And he shouted obscenities and filmed it and put it all over social media in his name, has had his court case abandoned due to police issues with the CCTV. He pled not guilty initially, it was due to go to court, it was adjourned until December 2020, then again it was adjourned until December 2021 and when the prosecution tried to adjourn again, the sheriff agreed with the defence that the case should be deserted in that case. The sheriff went on to say that there's been a single failing on the Crown and the police improperly investigating and prosecuting this matter. I mean, that's just fucking ludicrous. So there's the three stories that I've highlighted in this pod alone. Yep. Add in the lost evidence against the, the, the effigy shambles. Tell me there isn't something dodgy going on somewhere with this. I mean, there that's incredible that all of these issues with various different people, all against Rangers, have all been abandoned or not of enough evidence or lost evidence, more importantly. This calls for an independent investigation to, to what the handling of these situations against Rangers are, because it is nothing short of shameful. I mean, that last thing that you said there, Derek, the amount of you know, clear-cut evidence that you've listed there is quite incredible. You know, for any type of prosecution to go ahead, so for that to not go ahead with everything that you've listed there, there's got to be something something seriously wrong there. No, I agree with you 100%. That's absolutely incredible. Next thing here... Brentford came up to the training centre for a bounce game the other day and it finished two each. Now, Ahmad scored two, which was obviously good to see. Hopefully, you know, a bit of confidence building there for him. But also, more importantly, Christian Eriksen was playing as well and he actually set up the two Brentford goals. So that is just nothing short of a miracle, the fact that Eriksen's back playing. Incredible, Derek. It shows you that, uh, you know, Brentford have taken a chance, but they must have supreme confidence and you, you know the medical side of things you know that he's been, he's, he's been looked after and he's because he certainly wouldn't put a player in any danger like that so uh, it shows hopefully, hopefully for him you know I mean that was the, like the, the whole world saw it. shocking scenes that happened d- during the Euros with him so as you say fantastic to see him back playing and uh, you know back in the pre- Premiership as well so if that's a bounce game that he's had against us he must be fighting back to, to fitness and hopefully we'll see him playing in the Premiership soon. So, no, yep. absolutely brilliant. Brilliant, yes. So, a few other stories here. Barry Ferguson has quit as manager of Alloa. Now, yep. we all know Barry Ferguson after his playing days. Something I've suggested, I've always been against it as he really has become a bit of a dick to Rangers since I know retired. what you're going to say, Derek, because we had a wee uh, yep. discussion about it before. Uh, on you go. 
He is a Rangers legend after all. He knows what it takes to be a Ranger. He, he has mixed it with the best of them in Europe and he's came out on top as well. I did ask you, would, would you hire him as a coach? Not for his coaching skills per se, but to make our players understand fully what it means to play for us, to get on their back constantly. It's the type of captain I think we need just now, especially in the first half of that, that Dundee United game as well, especially since our form, you know, it's maybe sorted itself out now, but it's maybe always a good thing to have in the background. But then I thought about it, no, he would just be a dick and it's no the first time he's <laughs> he's tried to undermine managers because he thinks yes. he knows better. That would be my only worry, Derek. Yep, 100%. A guy who we all agree, you know, Rangers as his team, he's, he's, he's 100% a Rangers man. He always will be. He was the captain for years. He was, you know probably the best homegrown talented player that we've had in oh you know decades and decades phenomenal servant to to the club won just just about everything as you say played at the top level in in Europe as well in the dressing room you know no doubt he would have an effect but as you say if things soured that would be my worry and I think that Barry would have his sights set on you know, the, the hot seat at Ibrox and I know there would be a lot of fans would back him as well for that. I think it would cause a you know a, a, a major split and I don't know if Gio would want that type of guy in with his backroom staff there. But you know, at the same time, Derek, I understand exactly what you're saying. That game against if we had a player that has an influence in, you know, in, in the dressing room speaking to the players at half time. It could be a huge difference, but I don't know if Barry is the type of guy he'd be able to do that the way that we want him to do it. No. Next story here, free agent Brandon Barker has joined Reading on until the end of the season, so certainly good luck to him there. Yep. And also, Alex Ray has joined Reading as the assistant yes. manager to interim boss Paul Lynch, so very good luck to, to Alex Ray there. Yeah, definitely. And on the back of that as well, John Hartson. I yeah, think I knew you were going to say this. I mean, this is the proof that he should never actually be a pundit because the guy is just, he's unwell. He really is unwell. He put out a tweet saying, good luck at Reading FC, Rangers legend Alex Ray. 34 league games, one goal. Proper ledge, good luck, pal. Thumbs up. Yeah. I mean, he was a defensive fucking midfielder. What's his goals got to do with it, you fucking plum? Absolutely incredible, especially considering that John Hartson's supposed to be a pundit, Derek, and Alec Ray is a fellow pundit as well. I can't remember there being any type of fallout between them or Alec Ray saying anything bad about him. Alec Ray's not that type of pundit at all. Derek, he's no one of these guys like Chris Boyd that's out to try and wind, wind folk up. I, I realise that. So why Hartson felt the need to say something like that is just pathetic. I, I, I just beggars belief, actually. So uh, I'm glad that Alec Ray hasn't got back or replied anything. It shows his class there as well, but certainly it's, it's shown Hartson in a, a, a poor light yet again. I mean, I th- I'm pretty sure it was him that kind of came out and, and said after the, the games at the the last European games that Celtic and Rangers had they are saying that the Lord of the Rings character that Celtic came up against were a better team than Dortmund. Yeah. I mean, the guy's a fucking Fruit Loop. <laughs> idiot. Anyway. Incredible. Next thing, from one idiot to another. Two things are certain in life, apart from death and taxis. Tom English being an arsehole and Tom English still being an arsehole. 
he was on some sort of podcast called Off the Ball. It was some sort of Celtic supporting Irish based yes. podcast. Don't know what the fuck it was all about. I never paid much interest because of this. But he was talking about Rangers, not just Rangers in terms of our results or anything like that, but our financial issues and with Chuck Green. I mean, the headlines of it were that Rangers want their cake and eat it. We're only holding on to parts of our history that we want to hold on to and they cannot wash their hands of what happened before. When pressed about it, he made some weird references to about not being happy about Charles Green being very mouthy about stuff. He was not making any sense or any relevance to just now whatsoever. You know, he's going back five, six years ago talking about shite. You know, what relevance does that have, have just now? Now, if he really wants to get on about not owning history, his own club and fans are going to be in for one very big shock very shortly when court cases are heard, so their sordid and disgusting past will fucking come back to haunt them. It's quite funny that Celtic fans go on about our history, yet they don't want to fucking talk about their own. So let's just wait and see, but Tom English is an absolute idiot. It all boils down to his bigoted, driven bullshit. That's really what it is. But apart from that, you think he's alright, Derek? He's a fucking lovely man, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> another another irrelevant steric of the failing sports journalism in this country that it really needs to try and make itself relevant like a few other journalists out there or so-called journalists that that we know trying to make itself relevant the fact that he was on a celtic based podcast talking about the rangers finances that just says it all for me to to to, to be honest for you he lost all you know, the little credibility he had a long, long time ago with me. I think he's a bit of a, a, a comic character now, to, to be honest with you. And I think it's hilarious that he, uh, you know, he, he portrays himself as a rugby correspondent. And that's his main sport when, when really all he's desperate to talk about is, is Rangers. Just another obsessed Celtic supporter out, out there, even, even although he'll not come out and admit that he's a Celtic supporter. We all know that that's where he's, uh, you know, his, his allegiances are, so. Aye, just pathetic stuff there. Yep. So, man left with chronic back pain after trying to suck his own penis. <laughs> <laughs> now, Derek, I have got a bit of a sore back anymore, <laughs> so I'm just going to see where this goes. <laughs> a man has suffered a devastating back injury after trying to suck his own penis. The bloke opened up in an eye-opening Reddit post about the moment he heard a crack during his latest attempt. <laughs> He explained that this was certainly not the first time he had tried to do the deed. And to be fair, loads of men will have tried it at least once. Well, I'm, I'm not sure about that. The unidentified guy said that every attempt had been a success. Fuck's sake. However, the most recent one clearly did not go to plan. One day, as usual, getting ready to do my thing, I did stretch it so I could be more elastic, you know. He says on Reddit's Today I Fucked Up page, I was going to do my thing and suddenly I heard a really big crack in my back. At the moment I heard the crack, I had immense pain in all parts of my back. I couldn't stand up, couldn't even move an inch of my body. I was literally paralysed. He said he was sitting on his bed for about 20 minutes until he started to get a little bit of feeling back in his body. The guy dragged himself to the kitchen to get some pain medication that improved the situation a little bit. But now he's been left in chronic back pain ever since. <laughs> Whenever someone asks me how I hurt my back, I tell them I hurt it while exercising. 
I really want to try that again, but I don't think it's the brightest of ideas. I'm potentially going to have to live with this pain for the rest of my life because of oh my mistake. Oh my god. Oh dear, dear. Dave, I couldn't, one, even, I couldn't even try that for the fight in Bombelli. <laughs> I bet your uh, ex-colleague that used to boast about the size of his, I bet you he could just sit, sit, sit back and take <laughs> I don't even want to go there, Dave. That's what you were thinking. Oh, it wasn't dear. until you said it. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Right, okay. So, on that note, we will end the podcast. So as ever, you can go to our website. I don't know what's the point now because I've not updated it for ages, but it's iReadyPodcast.wordpress.com and you can also go to all the other podcast outlets and Facebook and Twitter also. So thanks for listening and goodbye. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go.